0: Well, we are in uh, the book of Acts in chapter 21, and uh, uh, there's a couple of things that we want to uh, understand about the first half of the chapter, okay, about the first half of this chapter. Now, this is, we're entering into the last part of the book of Acts, okay, Uh, where basically what's going to happen now is... Uh, Paul is going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to uh, get arrested in Jerusalem, and then he's going to be on his way to Rome. He's going to uh, stand before the Sanhedrin and then a variety of Roman magistrates, and that is the bulk of the rest of the book of Acts. Uh, These speeches of of Paul and so on, they're really very, very interesting, Uh, and, um, and so chapter 21 is the story of what happens when he goes to Jerusalem. Today we just want to cover the first part. So remember last time I, uh, he gave his impassioned speech to the elders of Ephesus, right? Remember, beware that wolves are gonna come. Uh, make sure you attend to yourselves and to the congregation. I, I, you know, and then he tells about his devotion to them. So that that might be something they could emulate, uh, you know, and be motivated to, to be, like, be like Paul. And then we saw just this emotional goodbye uh, when he leaves them. Uh, and, uh, uh, and then we come to chapter 21. So let's look uh, at uh, the beginning of the chapter. And when it came about uh, that we had parted from them, and had set sail, meaning the elders of Ephesus, but they were meeting at Miletus, and they set sail. We ran a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we had, when we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we kept sailing to Syria and landed at Tyre, And there the ship was to unload its cargo. And after looking up the disciples, we stayed there for a week, seven days. And they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. And when it came about that our days there were ended, we departed and started on our journey, while they all, with wives and children, escorted us until we were out of the city. And after kneeling down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus. And after greeting the brethren, we stayed with them for a day. Then the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, or Caesarea. And entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. And this man had four virgin daughters, who were prophetesses and as we were staying there for some t- for some days a certain prophet named agabus came down from judea and coming to us he took paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said this is what the holy spirit says in this way the jews at jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the gentiles And when we had heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Yeshua. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking, The will of the Lord be done. So we can stop there. So Luke likes to give a little bit of a travel log, uh, There's actually a chapter coming up. I'm not even sure we're going to even give a message on it because the entire chapter is a travel log of uh, getting, getting to Rome, <laughs> you know. But he does describe, uh, you know, how they went. For us, the part that we're going to focus on is on several occasions, Paul is being begged not to go to Jerusalem. Now, we saw this also in, um, you know, uh, in in chapter uh, 20, earlier in chapter 20. We read uh, here in verse, uh, just read it again in chapter 20, in verse 22. And now behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and affliction... Uh, awakening so this the the ruach had spoken to him that this was going to happen to him and we could say it was confirmed by these others that this is what was going to happen the difference is is that when this when the ruach spoke to him you know there was conviction that this is my destiny this is a calling from god for them it was oh no we don't want anything to happen to you and that makes sense. It wasn't, you know, uh, you know that they, they were not being evil or or bad or uh, ungodly. They clearly, what you see in these two chapters is the bond that Paul had with these congregations and with the people that he was traveling with. They loved him dearly, and they did not want to see, uh, you know, uh, anything uh, anything happen to him. So I think what we see displayed here is a great attribute that I thought you know, we would talk about for just a few minutes here. And that is courage. Courage. It takes a lot of courage to do this kind of work. Paul had a tremendous amount of courage. You know, it's one thing to say, I, you know, I'm following the Lord. Amen. Good. And, and, uh, and then to say, I know that, like, you know, death awaits me. Physical. Death awaits me, or imprisonment uh, uh, awaits me. Most of us would rationalize this and say, Well, then I, obviously it doesn't make sense to go, but, you know, because there's a lot more work to do. And, and why would I want to endure something like that? It doesn't make any sense. You know, some, uh, someone this past week <laughs> half jokingly said to me, You know, about themselves. I said, sometimes when I'm following the Lord, I can't tell if I'm being stupid or following the Lord. I thought, what a great... I said, well, you know, I'm going to go with following the Lord. Okay? Uh, and uh, uh, the, the reality is is that um, when you look at things uh, simply horizontally, we might say, why did he do this? But what we see is that in Messiah Yeshua, he was not only being godly. He was, we would not just say he's not only following the way of the Lord. But his response to God was courage, uh, boldness, you know, conviction, uh, resilience, I, not being deterred, I, you know, um, uh, being, uh, uh, being uh, resolute, uh, you know, being strong. And, I, and that, of course, comes from God. But it, it's really, it, it's, uh, it's our conviction, you know. It's interesting that you don't read courage as like a fruit of the Spirit, uh, you, you know. But courage uh, is really uh, when we uh, embrace the Lord and we're sure of who he is and and we're sure of, uh, you know, our relationship with him. Courage ensues uh, and, uh, uh, and allows all of those, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, the, uh, the work that God has called us to do, uh, uh, courage is sort of like the, the overarching virtue, you know, over them all that allows them all to be able to manifest themselves, you know? And so I think that when we look at the first part of chapter 21, I think it's just a good opportunity for us to ask ourselves, you know, about uh, being uh, uh, courageous. Uh, you know, in uh, the B'rit Shah, uh, there's basically two words that are used to mean, uh, that are often translated, courage. One means to, to be bold. Sometimes in some of our translations, the word dare is used. Like, no one dared ask him another question. Or did they dare to uh, go forward? That, that's this word that's actually, uh, that in other places, is, it's translated as a, a, a courage, okay, uh, and uh, and so uh, um, um, boldness. Uh, one place uh, that's kind of well known, and it has to do with Paul's sufferings, is in Philippians chapter one, in verse fourteen. Now, Paul wrote Philippians from prison, you, you know, uh, and it's a, and it's kind of interesting what he says here. Beginning in verse twelve, he says. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment uh, in the cause of Messiah has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage or boldness to speak the word of God. God without fear that's this word they they're daring <laughs> you know they dare speak the word of God but isn't it interesting uh, that it says because of my imprisonment you know it, it reminds me in another in another setting when he says that I uh, you you know um, in second Corinthians uh, when he says that um, uh tribulation or troubles i uh, uh um, brings forth uh, the glory of god in us uh you know and so there's a relationship between his imprisonment and their courage so the, that but that's the word they're 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 courageous they're bold uh because they see him in this situation and that he sees that even though he's in prison this is not uh, this is not a deterrent uh, to anything. I, you know, usually, if, if I'm uh, uh, talking about this passage, I usually say, what I would be asking the Philippian uh, congregation for if I was in prison, give me a big cake with a file, you, you know, uh, so that maybe then I could get out and then I could get back to serving the Lord. But he doesn't view it that way. He views the imprisonment itself as serving the Lord. See? And, and so this engenders, you know, a courageous, a courageous attitude. Very important. So uh, we see that, this boldness. Uh, and then, um, uh, interesting, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read the word courage again, but it's a different word. In uh, verse uh, 6. Oh, by the way, uh, you know the verse that I was just uh, trying to uh, remember? was back in chapter, in here in 2 Corinthians 4.17, where it says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So it kind of reminds me of Paul saying, My imprisonment has been, uh, you know, has engendered courage in you. Uh, You know, what we think is a negative oftentimes is a positive when we understand that God is in the middle of it uh, in, in all things. Well, anyway, so here in chapter 5 of 2 uh, Corinthians, in verse 6, it says, Therefore, being always of good courage, okay, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight, we are of good courage. Some translations say we are courageous, actually. I say to prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be present uh, at home with the Lord. Therefore, always we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, is to be pleasing uh, to Him. So, Paul's courage and the courage of the people around him, really, and especially since we're talking about Him, His courage came from two places. One is uh, uh, the uh, knowing where He comes from, knowing His, uh, you know, the calling on His life, and then recognizing the destiny. Uh, that that he had his destiny like our destiny is Yeshua. That's that he didn't fear death. He didn't fear the imprisonment because he knew that was never that was not the end of the line. You know, uh, just like Yeshua did not fear death because he knew this is not the end of the line. That there's resurrection. That there's new life. Right. And so Paul uh, was resolute. He had a conviction to serve God in any capacity, no matter where it might be. And he also had a particular calling uh, on, on, his, uh, on his life. And so we see, you know, this courage. The same is true of the very famous Joshua passage, right? When you think about being courageous, be strong and courageous, right? Moses tells it to him at the end of Deuteronomy, and then we read in the first chapter uh, of uh, the book of Joshua, after Moses is dead, that uh, now you're the man, Joshua. Be strong and uh, be strong and and uh, uh, courageous. Okay. So in Hebrew, aman is the word, uh, and and it means uh, just like the Greek word, frankly, be firm, be resolute, you know, be sure, have confidence, that, that kind of thing. And uh, not always, but oftentimes it's coupled with be strong, chazak, be strong and courageous. They kind of go together, you know. Uh, in a sense, uh, what aman is, what, what the word courageous is doing, is emphasizing strength, strong and courageous, right? Uh, and and so uh, the same thing. And what about Joshua? Joshua knew his calling, his particular calling, to take the people into the land. You know that God would be with him and take the people into the land okay and uh, he also uh, knew where he came from. He knew uh, what is you know where he came from and where he was going. Uh, he had been with Moses uh, for uh, you know almost the whole time uh, of the, of the 40 years uh, and so uh, you know he, um, uh, he knew that he knew who he was. He, he knew his calling as an Israelite and the particular calling, uh, on on his uh, on his life i you know and and so i and another place that we don't read necessarily the word uh, courage but we read about it is in 2 Timothy chapter 2 when paul now this is very interesting because paul is mentoring mentoring timothy uh, and timothy is one of those elders in ephesus so it's kind of interesting And so uh, in uh, the first chapter, notice what Paul says about himself. He's saying this about himself in order to uh, encourage Timothy. And he says, uh, so in verse uh, 12, for this reason, well, I I guess you need to know the reason. Okay. He talks about being appointed, right, in verse 11. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. He knew that God had called me. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I, what I have entrusted to him until that day. And so Paul says he knows, and he's convinced of the truth of the good news, the truth of, of, uh, of Yeshua. Uh, and this is what motivates him. He knows in whom he believes. He knows what his destiny is and he knows what his calling is because he knows the person whom he has in Yeshua. And then in the second chapter, when he is now taking that and now applying it to uh, uh, Timothy's life, he says, beginning in verse 3, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Messiah Yeshua. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding uh, in everything. Remember Yeshua, the Messiah, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. Okay? So uh, clearly, I, Paul is a, exhibits great courage because his life is enveloped in, in the Messiah in terms of his calling, and in terms of his destiny. Now, this is really important for us because we need to display courage, right? We need to display uh, uh, courage in our walk with the Lord. Uh, not only to know the Word, not only to um, you know, be able to dig deep uh, in the Word uh, and uh, to uh, enjoy the, the fellowship uh, you know, that, that we have, But clearly, uh, we are living in a a time when culturally, spiritually, well, frankly, it's kind of always been spiritual. Uh, But culturally, uh, we uh, are living in a day when a biblical sense of ethics and morals has, that ship has left the dock, right? I say it's always been that way spiritually, even though, you know, up until uh, recent years, just call it—I don't know how many, these, but maybe a number—that uh, uh, in our culture, basically, a biblical understanding of ethics and morality was kind of the kind of the norm. Uh, you, you know, I, uh, in, in fact, uh, people use the terminology "right" or "wrong," Judeo-Christian ethic, uh, Judeo-Christian morality. Another word for saying like Bible. Ethics and morals—it's always been darkness, though. See, <laughs> well, what, what, you know, many years ago, what we would have said—it's really funny because I can remember many years ago talking about how what we really have in our culture is an inoculation. We have just enough of the, you know, biblical kind of ethic and morality to think we're good with God, you, you know, when we're really when we're really not. Now we don't have to worry about that message anymore, okay? Uh, we don't have to worry about that one because it's getting clearer and clearer in the world in which we live that, that uh, the, the normative ethics and morality is not the same as uh, what we read about in the scriptures. And, uh, and so, therefore, on one hand, you kind of know where you stand. On, another, on the other hand, though, uh, it is uh, it is a time of testing. Uh, it is uh, certainly a more difficult time, and it takes uh, boldness, and it takes a resolute, courageous attitude to be able to withstand uh, all of this, uh, all of the difficulty. We're living in a day when uh, we're challenged, right? And we don't always know. Should I say something? Do I not say something? Uh, who are we? What is our you know? What should we do in in given situations? You know, in our world. And I think if we follow the lead of the scriptures, what the writers, what the leaders of the, are the spiritual leaders of the past wrote to those in their charge, seem to be kind of always this: be strong in the Lord. And then when you come to given situations, because you're strong in the Lord, you follow your convictions. And so therefore, our goal here, as we'll see here, our goal here is to make sure that we're strong in the Lord so that when you walk out that door and you encounter a situation or a person or something, uh, you, you, uh, you can be strong in your conviction to say, okay, you know, God is leading me to say something. Not to lead, or or not to say something. There is no uh, one uh, you know, uh, one size uh, uh, fits all uh, given varieties of uh, of situations. That's why when people say, "What is our calling here?" Here, communally, it's to be strong in the Lord. To be strong and courageous. Communally, it's to make sure we know in whom we trust and to be strong in Him, so that. Out there, we're able to testify. We're able to share the good news with boldness and not be ashamed. We're able to speak into ungodly situations with boldness and not be ashamed and to know when to speak up and when not to speak up. You know, Yeshua did not speak up all the time. Isn't that interesting? He did not speak up all the time. But when he did, uh, you know, when Yeshua spoke, people listened as we was, uh, you know, as we might say. And so very, very important. You know, uh, again, I, I know I keep turning uh, uh, here, but, you know, in the, in the uh, book of Hebrews, it's kind of interesting that you read, uh, for example, uh, in the third chapter. Here, I, you know, the, the, uh, the writer of Hebrews or the, the author who, is this, who spoke this, this was a sermon that was written down, here, these people were pre- or under pressure to conform to a way that was not the way of the Lord. They, they, they were pressured or persecuted, uh, ostracized, uh, had great difficulty, right? Uh, and uh, the, uh, the speaker uh, says this, because Yeshua basically is greater than the angels, and because Yeshua is our great high priest, because of who he is, because he is the revelation of God to us. In chapter three, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Yeshua. Think about him. And, and very interesting. You are partakers of a heavenly calling. He is reminding them, and I, I could go on and on on this. He, he says, Listen, you're dealing with all this stuff. Remember your calling. Remember. Your heavenly calling. What is their heavenly calling? Their heavenly calling was uh, to uh, you know live in the presence of God, and remember that their destiny is you know to be with Yeshua. That that whatever was happening to them now was not the last word, was not their destiny. In fact, he says, and unbelievably, he says later on, I uh, that consider it. Discipline from God and, and be strong as a result of it, right? Just like you read, like in Romans chapter five, I, you know, I, uh, we were able to rejoice uh, in the tribulation because we know, because we know something. We know that it produces perseverance and character and hope. And hope does not disappoint, see? Uh, and uh, and so, so very, very Im- important. Uh, and that, you know, and, and he says here, uh, in another place in Hebrews, he says, you have need of endurance. He doesn't say, look, maybe it'll get better. He doesn't say, look, it's a season, okay? No. He basically is assuming, that the speaker is assuming that they're on a difficult journey, and the journey is not going to be easy. But because they have Yeshua as their Moses, so to speak, uh, and because uh, they have now a new access to the very presence of God, they can make it to the end. In other words, he's saying you can be courageous because of who, uh, who redeemed you out of your Egypt. You can be courageous because you're not alone in the wilderness. You can be courageous because you have access into the very presence of God. But then he says also in uh, chapter 10, says, you can't do it alone. You cannot do this by yourself. Not just you and God alone. That you need one another. For example, uh, he says uh, here in verse 23 of chapter 10 of Hebrews, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. In other words, be courageous for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love, and to good deeds. You're not a lone ranger, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another. Stimulate one another. And the end result, interestingly enough, at the end of the letter, in the last chapter of the letter, he doesn't say, now, you know, again, it's going to get better and and then you do all this and then it'll be okay. No, actually what he says, at the end of the day, when you have this courage to endure and you remember who you are and whose you are, and you, you know you remember uh, all of this about Yeshua, this is the end of the day. Love, l- Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by it some have entertained angels without knowing. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I forsake you. So that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What shall man do? Uh, do to me. So he says, at the end of the day, you will, you will display the alternative way of life. You will display godliness in the way that you all, you interact with each other. When you're courageous for the sake of Yeshua, you will live in such a way that you will demonstrate, you know, the, the biblical values and virtues of chesed and justice and, you know, and, and, and all of that. So we're not, so when we're talking about being courageous, We're not talking about just like being macho for Yeshua, okay? No, we're talking about standing firm in the grace in which we stand, as it says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. We stand firm in the grace in which we stand. We stand firm. And that means we face the hostility on one hand, and we demonstrate chesed on the other. We demonstrate love, uh, you know, and uh, relationship. Uh, on the other you know and then interestingly enough by the way it says in verse seven the other thing uh the other fruit of uh the goal of the book of hebrews is remember those who led you who spoke the word of god to you uh and considering the result of their conduct imitate their faith right Uh, how important uh how important that is uh that we recognize that amongst ourselves that we need to be role models, indeed, for um, you know, for one another. Uh, and so, so how do we cultivate this courage? How do we cultivate this uh, uh, courage uh, uh, to to be bold, to dare to stand for Yeshua, and to be resolute in our faith and unflinching, and to be disciplined, like like Paul says to you know, to uh, to Timothy, and to recognize that when we look at our world today and we say, oh, it's not like it used to be. It's a lot harder. So many more decisions. May I suggest that it is also, as Paul was in prison, so many more opportunities. So many more opportunities to dare to speak for Yeshua in this world, you know? Uh, And to be resolute and firm and always be remembering uh, who we are and that the goal is always Yeshua, the goal. That is always the goal. And, uh, you know, as we uh, walk with the Lord and are filled with the Ruach, we stand firm. We have the armor of God, as we read about in Ephesians chapter 6. You know, and uh, and so we should not be fearful in our walk with God uh, and, uh, and take the initiative. Uh, in our walk with God. So we need to always be standing firm. That means we always need to be in the Word of God. We always uh, need to be walking with Him. You know, sometimes what we end up doing is not having a courageous attitude, but a little bit of a cavalier attitude. A cavalier attitude of, oh, you know, it's all okay. And, you know, it's, no, I don't read the Bible as much as I ought to. And uh, but, uh, you know, in other words, not taking it seriously, not not taking it seriously. But, you know, I, uh, to be like a, a Paul here and to say, I'll face whatever, whatever comes my way. I, you know, as, as believers, we're all called to stand firm. Sometimes individuals have a particular calling to a particular thing like Paul here. Not they weren't all called to go to Jerusalem and suffer. He was right uh, and uh, not everybody was going to lead Israel into the, you know, into the land. Joshua was, right? And so perhaps there's a particular calling upon us. You know, our messianic calling is a particular calling. To be part of a messianic community is, is really a calling. To stick with a, a, a messianic Jewish congregation, that's a call, right? Because, you know, the majority of people come and go, ultimately. You know, I've I've been here for a season. It's been great. Now it's time to head back to over whatever, wherever else. Uh, And you always know it's a calling when 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 your attitude is well, this, where else am I going to go? Where else am I going to be? You you know that's being called to uh, to a messianic uh, congregation. In other words, you know, I have a calling to stand with Israel. A calling, you know. Now I know that not everybody has that calling. I know, I know, that for some it's about getting an education. Uh, for some it's enjoying celebrating Jewish holidays, you know, that kind of thing. Which is all well and good, which is all fine and dandy. Whatever reason, it's fine, it's all good. But I'm just saying, you know, truly saying I'm part of the Messianic Jewish movement is, is a calling. Where else am I gonna go? And uh, it's an important, uh, you know, important. That, that's how we st- can stand firm in, in that kind of opposition. We receive, uh, uh, you know, we, you know, we are ostracized from the community, but it doesn't deter us. And individually, you know, uh, uh, uh good relationships are, are established and so on and so forth, and that's all well and good. But, uh, you, you know, uh, I can say, and, and anybody here who's Jewish can say that from the beginning of, uh, from the beginning of even entertaining, the idea that Yeshua could possibly be the Messiah—part of that is counting the costs of being ostracized and persecuted. It didn't like come along later on. You know what I mean? It's it's like from the get-go, uh, and uh, you know, and that is part of counting the costs. Uh, and uh, when you know that, when you know, okay, I know Yeshua is the Messiah. Where else am I going to go? I know he's the Messiah. And so I embrace him, even though I understand that there's going to be great misunderstanding, maybe in my family or people at work or elsewhere. And we all, I'm sure, experience that in one way, shape, or form, right? But when we are convinced of the truth of Yeshua, there's nowhere else to go. And then sometimes, again, there's a particular calling. Just like when people have a calling to Go to a foreign country. You know, where else can I go? What else am I going to do? This is what God has called me to. And the courage comes from being filled with the Lord and knowing who you are and recognizing uh, that calling in your life. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, where you have uh, the uh, the parables uh, uh, the mis- of the mystery of the kingdom, sometimes they're called, you know, the most famous one, of course, is the seeds, the four kinds of seeds, right? Well, it's kind of interesting that the seed that is received joyfully, but then uh, is lost because of, uh, of uh, troubles. What does it say? Because it did not take root. That's what it says. Because the seed did not take root. It was received joyfully, but because it did not take root, when troubles came, you know, it uh, uh, the seed was there was no growth right uh, and so how important it is for us to live in this world to make sure that we're anchored that the good news and good sound discipleship takes root uh, in us you know and so for us i uh, we know this courage comes from knowing the lord knowing that we're forgiven knowing uh, that we're cleansed knowing that our hope is in him alone right you know it says in psalm 31 be strong and let your heart take courage all of you who hope in the lord who trust in the lord For being filled with the spirit of god by knowing uh, uh, god's a promise uh, that he will never leave us nor will where we will uh, he ever forsake us Okay, knowing that he's with us wherever we go, knowing that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, right? Um, uh, Knowing that he hears our prayers and then having so many such a cloud of witnesses as a testimony around us of godly people around us uh, who encourage us by the way that they conduct their lives. That is how we gain this courage. And so it's very practical You know, uh, yes, we are living in a day when uh, we are surrounded by pressures, social, ethical, moral pressures to conform in ways that we know are not right. We need to be strong. We need to be courageous. We need to be anchored in Yeshua, and we need to be encouraged by one another so that we will stand strong and we will endure, endure to the end. Uh, Lord uh, God, uh, I pray for us. That we would not uh, become, um, that we would not become despondent or like uh, depressed or sort of throw in the towel. And I pray, Lord, that we might know what you've promised and what you have not promised. You've not promised that everything's going to be all nice and and good before you return, uh, Lord. But we know that difficult times, even what Paul told Timothy, difficult times are you know are, are ahead. May we be prepared. And may we be courageous uh, because of our hope and our trust in you. And therefore, may we be bold in uh, and not ashamed of the gospel. And may we understand that what we're to be bold in is godliness and the good news. And uh, what we are to be firm and resolute on is our hope uh, in you. And so, God, we pray that whatever, uh, whatever battles we may be facing in this world, in our culture, in our towns, in our country, in our world, that we would, we would not be beat down by it, but that we would see all of it as an opportunity to testify of your reality, and that we might live in such a way to demonstrate and pray and size You know, I was saying to somebody uh, this week, it's kind of interesting, when Yeshua came, you would think I mean you would just think if you, if you didn't you know already know a lot you'd think well I, the people that he would have wanted to attract would be like the Pharisees would be like I, I'm here for you you know and it's just kind of interesting that the people that followed him around all the time were like the wrong people wait a minute right the people that followed him around all the time were the sinners the outcasts right and, and they recognized that here's the, he's the holiest man in the world and he wasn't pointing fingers at them. He was living in such a way and speaking in such a way that was attractive uh, to them. And so may we be bold in that kind of way? may we be attractive uh, in that kind of way what may we not be ashamed of the good news in that kind of way so that people will will want you know the living water some of